Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. One of the silliest yet serious confrontation I ever had came about when I was in elementary school. I was trying to think when it was, I think maybe fourth grade, maybe fifth, you go, serious confrontation, what happened? Well, I was involved in an altercation with another young man by the name of Manuel. Manuel. Now, Manuel was about my age, and he was a little bit more stockier than me. You see, you got to remember, back in elementary, I think I weighed all of about 25 pounds, I felt like, you know, and Manuel weighed probably a good 150. I mean, that's just how I saw it. And I was in this altercation, not sure what happened. And I really don't know, honestly, how it all started. All I knew was I was about to fight this guy at recess. I was going to fight him. Now, you need to understand, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And especially in elementary. And, no, I'm just kidding. I really didn't want to fight this guy. You, all of you are already going back to your elementary days. I didn't want to fight him, but I had an honor to uphold. I, I was going to fight him. So, as a matter of fact, even to this day, you know how something's etched in your mind? It's etched in my mind, but I can't tell you what we were going to fight about. I just knew we were going to fight. We were going to throw down. This was going down. So, guess what happens? The time came, the bell rings, recess, and I met Manuel out in the playground. There we were. As soon as we saw him, our fists were clenched. We were ready to throw down, and we just stared at each other. I'm not kidding you. You think it's silly, but we just stared. Now, now I'm in fourth or fifth grade. I don't, we just stared at each other. Now, I didn't want to throw the first punch. I really didn't want to throw the first punch. I knew that I would be in trouble with my dad. I didn't care about the school. I just knew that my dad would be disappointed in me. But nonetheless, there I was, ready to go. Okay, you understand. Here we were. We're. we're this is going to happen. This is going to. This is going. And there he was. He was ready to go. Who's going to throw the first punch? Seriously. Plus, if I'm being honest, I really didn't want to get hit in the face. This was the money maker. You understand? I mean. <laughs> I just, or, anywhere, or anywhere else, you know, I mean, because you know this, punches lead to kicks, and kicks hurt, and, and so, so I was like, okay, prepare yourself, and so, so you got to protect the money maker and everything, so there you are, and, and we're about to throw down, and i got to be honest with you, for 30 minutes, we just stood there waiting for the other to strike first. As a matter of fact, other kids were taunting us, and I quietly remember somebody pushing us, trying to get us to start, and you'd, you'd back up, and, and there you were, and you were ready, and he's about to, and you got to be ready, and there it was, and, and we stood there in fighting positions, and no one threw the first punch. Finally, the bell rang, and we went back to class. Wait, 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 Pastor, let me see if I get this straight. You just stood there for 30 minutes with your fists clenched, ready to fight, and nothing happened, even at the other taunts of the people, hey, come on! All the names that they called you? Yes, that's exactly what happened. That's why it's so etched in my mind. But see, what you need to understand is I stood my ground 
and not a punch was thrown. Now, don't get me wrong. I was battle ready with all that I needed to fight. And if a punch was thrown, I was going to throw back. I knew that in my mind. I knew that he was so much bigger that probably he would beat me up, but nonetheless, I could not stand there and get beat up. You go, Ben, what was the point? I was ready to fight. But all I needed to fight, sometimes all I do is just needed to stand. Just need to stand. Now, the reason I tell you this silly story is because I believe that it somewhat illustrates what Paul is trying to teach us today. You go, really? To stand there and just have your finch? No, 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 no. Because Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 10.4. Jot that down somewhere. He says this. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, For our weapons, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You go, Ben, what's he saying? Guys, listen, listen. What Paul's trying to say is that God uses mighty weapons that are not worldly weapons. Okay, they're not carnal, they're not flesh. And the reason is to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy the arguments. So you need to understand that sometimes as we, as we fight, this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying sometimes you just need to stand. You just need to stand. And really the point of verses 13 through 17, this is what Paul tells us. Paul says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. But what we need to grasp today, church, look at me, is it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. You understand, it's, 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 it's all of these things in a spiritual context. I'm pastor, you've lost me. Well, let me give you for an example that's going to talk about a breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate of righteousness. Now you go, okay. Now again, why is it spiritual? Because a breastplate being put on and righteousness are opposites. You understand that. One is a very real piece of clothing that the Romans wore. And righteousness, well, again, we can't put on physical righteousness. That only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're found in him. In him. So the armor of God, listen, it gets us battle ready. And we learn that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So we must prepare for a spiritual battle. We must prepare for a mental battle. We must prepare for an emotional battle. Why is that important? Again, think about this. If the enemy can attack our emotions, then he can stumble us spiritually. If the enemy can attack, come on church, if the enemy can attack not only our emotions, but our mental battle, there you go. Some people call it stinking thinking. And it affects our spiritual walk. We've got to protect what, how we think. We've got to protect our heart and our emotions. You go, Ben, question, how? how? How do we prepare for the spiritual battle? Well, if you recall last week, Paul reminded us in chapter 6, verse 11, when he said, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. So he's telling us, he's telling us. 
Put on the armor of God so that you're able to stand. To stand. Now, before we move on, let's, let's kind of talk about what we learned last week. Please allow me to bring you up to speed. In verses 10, 11, and 12, we discovered that we're in a battle. Do you know that? Give me an amen if you know that. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. You understand that. And what we learned last week is that we need to know our enemy. We need to know our enemy. If we're going to have daily victory, church, in the Christian life, it's important that you and I know our enemy and understand him. We need to know him. Now, let me, let me just give you this, okay? By way of reminder, here's the thing. We have three great enemies every single day. Three, okay? Jot this down if you're taking note. Number one, one of our battles is against the flesh. Against the flesh. Even though we're saved, come on, church, even though we're sanctified, we still have to deal with the flesh. Can I get an amen? amen. Because the flesh is always there. You understand that. You go, Tuster, I've subdued the flesh. Really? You want to see your flesh rear its ugly head? Let someone cut in front of you at the restaurant that you've been waiting at for 15 minutes. You'll see your flesh come out. Wait a minute. I was here for, why, why, why'd you let them go? And, and right away, you're, listen, that's how I am. That's how I am. I hate the flesh. And, and I, and I'll, I, I won't forget, we, I, listen, I took my wife out on a date the other night, on a Friday night, took her out, got all dressed up, and, and so we went out to eat, right, and so we went up and we said, hey, um, uh, two, party of two. And they said, okay, it's going to be about, it'll be about 30 minutes. And I said, baby, is that all right? She said, that's fine. I said, okay, my name, I gave her my name. Okay, we got you. She took my phone number, because they do that now, and then they buzz you. We went outside, and we were talking, and so five minutes goes by, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and I'm going, huh. So both of us got up, and we walked inside, and we said, hey, we've been waiting for 40 minutes. Do you have our name? And she looked, and she goes, what's your name? <laughs> Excuse me? I'm sorry, I don't have, I gave you my phone number. She's looking at me, I'm sorry, I don't have your, I said, we have been waiting, and you could see my flesh coming out, it was like, mm -mm. and that's like, calm down, they're going to spit on our food, you know, I mean, <laughs> and so I was like, you, but you, the point is, is that, is that they, <laughs> they took our reservation, they took my name, I saw them, they put it, and then they couldn't find us. And, was, and, and I was so loving, such a loving Christian. I said, oh, that's okay. Ah, it happens. I wasn't. I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? And I could feel the flesh. Guys, we battle the flesh every day. We have to crucify that thing. Thank God my wife was there. She said, calm down. So then, so then we get it. They, they, oh, come on. Come on. We get it. Okay, we got a table. And uh, we ordered. And an hour later, we still hadn't got our food. And I'm trying to be a good Christian. And I'm not kidding you. I told Nathalie, she goes, I'm hungry. Let's just go home. And I said, if they're not here in 
I think it was like four minutes, then we'll get up and go. It was like 8.15. And uh, luckily the food came at that point. And it was just it was just one of those bad days. You know what I'm talking about? It was, I'm sure the restaurant's really good. I won't tell you what it is. But the point is, is that I could feel my flesh. So, so, so we battle the flesh. It's in there. And we got to crucify that. So I know my flesh is in there. It just happens to come at restaurants. I've got to be careful because I don't want anybody spitting on my food because they're mad at me. So I've got to be real careful. But the second enemy that we, we battle is the world. So, so you've got the flesh, and now you're battling the world. And I, and I don't just mean the world. It's the world system, guys, that's trying to control your life. It's the world system that wants to control how you think and how you behave and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And so you're always battling that. Part of the world is culture. You're going to see culture start to shift and start to change. And you're going to see the born-again, fully devoted follower of Jesus, you're going to see him sort of go by the wayside because everybody's going to sort of feel, well, it's just culture. This is what we do. This is how it is. This is what we do at our church. And you're going to see that because the world is getting stronger and stronger and stronger in these last days. And then the third enemy we have to fight is the devil. The devil himself. Church, listen, you can write this down. It's Satan. It's Satan and his demons. I mean, it's all of that. And so those are the three. And as Paul, what he does is he comes to the end of the book of Ephesians, and he comes to the end of this letter, and he gives us one final exhortation about warfare. Remember, he shared about the wealth of the believer. He said, this is who you are in Christ. Three chapters, amazing. And he says, now this is how you should walk. So you got wealth, you got walk, and then now he's giving us warfare. Warfare. So what did we learn? This is important. Okay, here's what we learned last week. We learned that the evil is not a force, but a person. Jot that down. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that we're going to fight against the wiles, the craftiness of the devil. But I want you to see this. The evil is not a force, but a person. In our world today, a lot of our companies, a lot of our um, businesses have gone woke. They've started changing things around. They've started moving. They've actually started to worship Satan. And I heard one CEO, and I couldn't find it this week. I dug and dug and dug. I couldn't find it, but I saw this little, uh, either was an Instagram post or whatever, and the guy comes out and he says, listen, 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 you guys got it all wrong. Satan to us is, is, is not a person. It's not an evil person. It's the idea of conforming. It's, and, and he went off to explain that it's some sort of force, and culturally, it, that force is against you and I living biblically. And I was like, you see, he's not a person. He's not evil. He's just, it's just, don't worry about it. And so when these kids put on these demonic shirts with pentagrams and goats, it's, it's not a person. They're just fighting against the, you remember that old song? I fought the law. You know what I mean? Or, or, or I think it was, I mean, all of these were when we rebel against that. So what we learned last week is, no, you have a person who's evil, who fights against you. The second thing we learned is the devil's powerful. Powerful. Ephesians chapter 6 and 12 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against rulers, evil rulers, and authorities on the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Your attention, please. 
We in and of ourselves are not strong enough to take on Satan and his demons. They're strong. Oh, bring that devil in here. I'll fight him. He will. (laughs) Under the power of the Holy Spirit, though, and Jesus in you, you've got all the power in the world. But in and of ourselves, we know that the devil is very powerful. You've got to understand your enemy. Number three, here's what we learn. The devil's primarily, his primary function is through deception. Through deception. If you get nothing else from this message, understand, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Listen to me. Be careful, church, what you put in your eye gate. Be careful what comes in your ear gate so, it's, so as that you are not deceived. That's his primary function. Number four, we learned that he exists in a spiritual dimension, yet he influences the physical world. You can see verse 12 once again. Think about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve blew it, when, when they took a bite of whatever fruit that was, if you want to call it an apple, call it an apple. I don't know what it was. But when that happened, you know that Adam forfeited the keys over to the world. He gave Satan the, there you go, take all, you manage. God still owns the world, but it's been under horrible management for the last 6,000 years. And that's why people go, well, if God is so loving, why is there so much evil? Because you got an evil boss. You got an evil manager. But one day, if you read Revelation, the title deed is going to go back to the Lord, and he's going to come in and say, dude, you're fired. Get out. But he's not even, he's going to send his other lowest of angels, go, hey, do me a favor. Uh, see him? Yeah. Go put him in the bottom of pit. Go on. But until then, we, we realize that, that he's going to influence the physical world. Another thing we learned is our battle's not against people, is it? And that's important to learn. Because when people come at you, you go, oh, yeah, no, no. And last but not least, last week we learned the battle is real and personal. It's real and personal. Now, we learned a lot last week. Here's what we must notice. Our next verse starts out with the word, therefore. So understanding verses 10, 11, and 12, we see a therefore. Whenever we see a therefore, what does it mean, church? It means that the application comes next. How do we apply this? And then a very key word in these passages is the word stand. The word stand. Do you see that in your Bibles? Okay, I want you to circle that word because here's what it means. It means to abide, to appoint, to continue, to covenant, and to establish. That's what it means. You go, Ben, why are you giving this? Here's why. You've got to write that in your, in your Bible. How important is it to do a word study? It's very important. So you understand and know the word of God. Because he's telling you to stand. And it means you need to abide. You need to um, appoint. You need to continue. Remember. If you're taking notes, I'm calling this message battle ready. Battle ready. For this morning, we discovered that God has given us everything we need for the battle. We must be prepared. We must be trained. And we must be ready to fight. Now, let me give you a side note. Let me give you a side note. You ready? Even if your fight is simply to stand... 
simply to abide in truth. Even if you're fight, it's simply to continue to walk. Despite what you're going through right now, you continue to walk with Jesus. Even if your fight is simply to establish your presence in Him, you're still fighting. You're still fighting. So He's going to tell us to stand. Let's jump into our text, guys. Look at verse 13 with me. Here's where we're going to start. Paul writes, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. If we look at verse 13, Paul reiterates the purpose of putting on the whole armor of God. Why? Because spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. So, so important. You go, Ben, for what reason? What reason? So that you and I would be able to withstand when? In the evil day. Do you see that? Let's read it again. Therefore, Paul says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, comma, to stand. To stand. As I looked at different translations, one of the translations out there read, when the evil day comes, when the evil day comes. So I want to be able to stand when the evil day comes. Now let me give you two schools of thought with some application on verse 13. The very first school of thought is this. When the evil day comes, suggest the final upsurge and tribulation for the Jewish people right before the day of the Lord. Some might suggest the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. That would be the evil day. They need to withstand. That's one school of thought. Another school of thought is this, is that when the evil day comes, it might suggest even for us that a worse evil time in history. And we're headed to a world, listen to me, that does not want God does not want you as believers. And so what Paul is saying to us is that we need to put on the whole armor of God to be able to withstand that day as we wait for our redemption. But as Paul writes this, what you need to notice is within the context is that that day had already come. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Paul says the days are already evil. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. The days are already evil. The fight is already on. The armor is needed now as if the believer is to stand. So in the day of evil probably includes the present. Can I get an amen? But particularly those periods would seem to most of us to share terribly the quality of the final day of evil. It's important that you and I have on the whole armor of God today, but it's also important that we don't take it off because the world is going to get evil and 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 evil. evil. You guys can see this. 
I never thought that the Word of God would be preaching the newspaper, if you know what I mean, or the Internet. The Word of God has said this for, for, for many, 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 many years, and yet you see it in our day. This is what's happening. This is what's going on in the world. And evil is getting evil, is getting evil, is getting evil. You see, there used to be a time if there was an injustice and two people were fighting, some good Samaritan would stop the fight. Hey, hey, guys, no, 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 what are we fighting about? Nowadays, what people do is they take out their phone and they want to record it. Even to the point of death. Oh, maybe I should have stopped it. That's evil. That's evil. Because nobody wants to see somebody else get their, their, their teeth knocked out or whatever it might be for something silly. What about just a courtesy? Hey guys, listen, we're on the beach. We're trying to have fun with our family. And they say, well, we don't care what you say. And 30 people beat up these Marines. And is that evil? We need to be able to stand, withstand what's happening in our world. That's not right. There's something wrong in the head. That's not right. We have failed. We've lost. We've tripped. Paul says that day's coming. As a matter of fact, he said, that day's here. That day's here. So if we understand what Paul is saying, that that day is here, then you and I, we should definitely have on the whole armor of God so that we're battle ready. You see, for me, in fourth grade, I stood there with my, my fist ready to punch. And that's kind of how we have to be as we stand with the whole armor of God. You see, when I was in fourth grade and, and me and Manuel were going to throw down, thank God it never happened, not one of us decided to turn and run. First of all, we might have been sucker punched. Second of all, we would have been taunted by the kids. But if you'll notice, the whole armor of God, it doesn't have any protection on the backside. You see, God never wanted us to turn. He just said, stand. Just stand. You need to understand, too, that, that in the Word of God, it tells us that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. And that's great. Well, I'm just going to resist him and he'll flee. But it doesn't ever say. He keeps coming back. Okay? I don't care if you're having a bad hair day, a bad hair month, a bad hair year. He will continuously, relentlessly come after you. Listen. If you are a fully devoted follower of God, he cannot take your salvation. But boy, he can get you to, to be sidelined. He can render you so ineffective that you can't witness. You can't share the gospel. You don't even feel like praying. And you barely read the Bible because you're so... That's what he wants to do. Christians, tune in. That's what he wants to do. How does he do it? He does it through different means. He does it through people. You understand that. We got to be careful. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's against principle. He's, okay, 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 where's this coming from? Where's this coming? We got to be battle ready. We got to be battle ready. So what should we do? Look at verse 14 with me. 
This is what we should do to be battle ready. Stand therefore, he says, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's one verse I want to stand on. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice what Paul says. He says, stand therefore. What is he saying? He's saying abide. He's saying appoint, continue, establish. What's he saying? You ready? Maintain your ground, not yielding or fleeing. That is not the grand aim for the Christian soldier. He says, stand. Stand. So, before we jump in this, I need to give you the mindset of Paul here. You guys, put on your thinking caps because I want you to see. Remember, Paul, the Apostle Paul, knew the Old Testament. You understand that. At, at a very young age, the, the rabbi, the Paul, was teaching rabbis. I mean, he, he just brilliant. And so he knew the Old Testament. You go, okay. So two things are in play here. Of course, Paul, knowing the Roman soldiers, definitely saw a Roman soldier in all his battle array. He knew that. He saw that. And so to the Gentile reader, they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. You understand that. That's exactly it. But second, Paul, with his mind, he actually quotes the armor of God found in Isaiah 59, 17. Isaiah 59, 17 says this, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Paul knew this. Paul says, oh, wait, 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 wait. It was already in the... So here's what I need. Here's what I need you to do. You ready? The first thing we need to do to be battle ready is having... Gird your waist with truth is what he's saying. But we have to remember, you and I are not putting on a literal belt. So it's a, our weapons of this world are not carnal, so they're spiritual. So you go, okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean, gird your, gird your... Well, basically, a soldier's belt would come right here. And a soldier's belt, if you're looking at the Romans, would often protect very intimate areas. But it held up the breastplate. You understand that. So they worked simultaneously. And it was real important to what? To put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. Why? Because we got to have truth. Why do we have to have truth? Because Satan is a liar, but the Christian who knows the truth won't be deceived. you got to know the truth. Again, I implore you, church, to be careful what goes in your eye gate, in your ear gate, because if you're not coming in and knowing the truth, then you can be deceived. You can be deceived. You go, but what does it mean to gird? What does it mean to gird your loins? I mean, that's kind of weird. Here it is. You ready? Jot this down. It was a mark of, of being prepared. It was a mark of always being ready. You're ready. You're, you're prepared. It was much like me doing this. Okay? Although nobody was going to throw a punch, thank God, I was ready. So literally, I had my loins girded, I was ready. Here I was. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Hit first. No. No. Praying for the bell to ring. 
You see, the belt, the belt that girded it, it basically, here it was, the soldier had the belt because he was serious about fighting and was sure to secure his tunic to his belt. You see, it demonstrated and demonstrates to you and I our readiness for war in truth. In truth. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. This is sober. But you need to understand that you're in a war. You're in a battle. And I wish I could stand behind this pulpit and tell you, oh, everything's going to be great. You're just wonderful. And, 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 and God loves you. Yes, he does. He loves you very much. But the, the fact of the matter is that the enemy doesn't love you. And he hates you. And you've got a war out there. And I need to warn you about this. Because Paul warns us about this. And it's so important. So what should we do? Man, we've got to have the belt of truth. What is truth? Remember Pilate asked that? What is truth? The Word of God. What are you putting in your mind? The Word of God. What's truth in the Word of God? The Word of God. This is true. So what do you do? Well, you turn on your TV for a little bit. Man, I I watched the, the nightly news yesterday. Oh my gosh. I could not have a steady diet of that. I, it's so, it's so depressing. Everything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's flooding in the Midwest and there's tornadoes here. And I mean, the whole world is going down. You're just like, oh, not to mention what's happening in the world. No, no, no. I need truth. I need truth. That's why, important, that's why it's important, church, that you and I, we, we have our quiet time. We spend devotion time knowing God's truth. That's why you filter everything through the Word of God. Do you realize, church, listen to me, do you realize that everything that's going to happen to you or is happening to you right now is father-filtered. It's got to go through God first. You have to tell yourself the truth. What's really happening? You have to guard your emotions because if not, we can behave based on our emotions. Can we not? The other night, well, actually last night, Adam and Jet were up here and they were talking to me and... uh, about 4.58 in the morning, some strangey went to their door, hit the doorbell. I mean, he 4.58 in the morning. And he stood there. Adam gets up, gets the kids into one room. Don't know what this guy's doing. Who comes to your house at 4.58 in the morning? You could tell on the camera that he's not all there. You could tell that he's, he's not there. Adam finally calls the police. He leaves. You guys with me? But what if I told you, and guess what? He broke in. He came through the door. And Adam was right there, and he hit him with the bat, and he beat him up, and he made him bloody nose, and then, and then three others came in the door, and Adam had to fight him off, and, and there was a big ruckus and all this. You go, wow, did that happen? No, but sometimes our emotions can go that far, can it not? And your heart starts pounding. Somebody's at my door at 450. <gasps> Hold on. And there you are, like Barney Five. One bullet. That's how we are. But in our mind, we have already taken him down. We've already, I mean, we have played out this whole scenario. You go, Pastor, your point. We have to guard our emotions. Because what's truth is, is that some guy came, didn't belong there, 
went to the wrong house, and left. Scary, but that was truth. So everything has to be truth. So, so again, think about this. He says, we put on the belt of truth. He says, but having the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness and, and truth go hand in hand. As in Ephesians 5.9, righteousness works, righteousness in works, truth in words. You go, what's Paul saying? Here's what's Paul saying to you and I. The basic equipment for a spiritual battle, you ready, is integrity and righteous living. These are the basic. Listen, we've got to do a heart check right now. Lord, If I, I need the basic equipment for spiritual battle. That's integrity and righteous living. Why are they effective? They're effective because these quality, qualities bear the stamp of Jesus and being a new creation he brings. Listen, church, listen. As fully devoted believers, followers of God, we should walk in integrity and righteous living. Wholeness. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Walk, walk, walk. The one thing we need to grasp, guys, is truth and righteousness go hand in hand. Why? Because according to 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. So again, truth and righteousness go hand in hand. But I also want you to see something very interesting. The breastplate covers the heart. The heart. You've got to have something to cover your heart. This is a vital organ. Okay? If I get shot in the leg, I can probably live. If I get shot in the heart, I'm done. So I need, I need the breastplate. I need something to cover my heart. And it's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing. It's the place of the body, the most vital organs. And the breastplate was made of leather and overlaid in the front with metal such as bronze. So it was, in essence, if you will, a bulletproof vest. That's what it was. And so it protected. It protected. You got to have that. But it goes on. You see, because we got to be battle ready. Look at verse 15. He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice, he says, what shoes are you wearing? What shoes are you wearing? He says, you should put on the shoes, the readiness to announce the good news of peace. The gospel. And I like what Warren Wearsby says. He says, quote, Satan is a divider and a destroyer. When the believer walks in the way of peace, the gospel way, then Satan cannot reach him. The Christian's feet should be clean, beautiful, and shod with the gospel. We have to be careful what we put on our feet. Why? What do our feet represent? As our walks. Our walks. Okay, and we got to have the gospel of peace in our walks. What does that mean? Think about you're going to your job tomorrow morning. Whoa, that's so stressful. Put on the shoes. Put, shod, put it on with peace. You got peace. Yeah, pastor, but they could fire me. God's bigger than your boss. God is so much bigger, and he has a plan and a place and a purpose for you, and you should walk in peace. You should walk in peace. How important it is that we have. I was thinking about the soldier, 
you know what? They, they, those roads are not, we, they didn't have pavement like us. They, they had to have something that covers their feet. I mean, think about this, right? I was thinking about the gospel of peace. Have you ever stepped on a Lego? Right? Legos have nothing compared to the little sticker birds that we have here. Those little things. Woo! Somehow our dog or, or us or me or somebody will bring him in and you'll get out of the shower and you'll step on one. Oh! Oh! Those things are more brutal. I'll take a Lego any day. How is it? Why is it with the little thing about this big, Mel? How is it this big that you jump halfway to the... Because it hurts. Because your feet. Your feet are important. And make sure you're putting on the right shoes. The shoes. The gospel of what? Of peace. Of peace. Remember the title, guys. We're battle ready. Because he goes on and he says this. Above all. In other words, overall taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. That is so important. What's next? What's next on our battle? It's a shield. It's a shield of faith. Now, we fully understand this is a spiritual battle. Can I get an amen if you understand? You see, because I really don't carry around a shield. That would be weird. Can you imagine if I had a big old shield? What are you doing? No, it's my shield. It's my shield. Well, nobody's really shooting fiery darts at you. Well, you, you never know. I got my no, no, no. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. Okay. So what, what? What do we have? Well, we have a shield, but it's our faith in Jesus that protects, like a warrior shield. It's your faith in Jesus. It's your faith in Jesus. You see, the shield of the soldier primary was was what primary in defense for battle. In the same way, the believer's trust in God provides protection against the devil in all his schemes. Here's my battle. Here's my seed. Here it is. Here it is. You need to understand the fiery darts. Oh, goodness. The fiery darts. Oh. You, you, you see, here's the deal. We have to have the shield for this purpose. It's to quench, to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. You go, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's what Paul's thinking. The fiery darts Paul had in mind would include anything from a direct occult attack to devilish persecution. But above all, listen to this. The steady reign of temptations, the steady reign to fear, bitterness, anger, division that could break up the unity of the church. So important. Guys, listen to me. Every day you walk out there, the enemy's shooting these fiery darts. They come in your mind. Oh, well, I can't believe I went to that Calvary Chapel and -and so-and-so didn't talk to me. Well, who do they think they are? They think they're better than me? Well, I don't know. I'm not going back to that. They're they're just mean to me. No, that's a fiery dart. You have to use the shield of... Watch out. Because it is fire and it wants to destroy you. You go, what else? What about bitterness? What about bitterness? What about anger? All of these things that we struggle with. Can I say this to you? Listen to me. So many believers, well, they don't even carry their shield. They don't even carry their shield. And throughout their life, they're bombarded with thoughts, 
temptations, and one fiery dart attacking the mind, attacking the mind, attacking the mind. As a matter of fact, remember, let's read it again, Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, mighty in God for pulling down stronghold. Here it is, look at verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. You have to protect your mind. And that's the whole point. You have to have a shield. You go, well, what's the shield for? Jot this down. The shield of faith, it's a defensive weapon that helps believers stand their ground against the enemy's attacks and lies. You've got to have the shield. So I've got a question for you, church. Everybody understand the shield, right? You've got a big shield. How big is your shield? Can you imagine trying to shoot down or, or block fiery darts if your shield's this big? Ping, 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 right? You just, I, no, give me a shield. I love the shield because it connects with other shields and you have strong, you can walk with four or five guys and say, we've got shield. They're not coming to get us. But my question is to you, how big is your shield? Well, can I say this with as much love? It depends on your faith. It depends on your faith. Let me ask you a question. When life hits you hard, and you've got some fiery darts coming at you, do you crumble? You block one, whee, but then three or four get in, and next thing you know, you're on, the found, you're on the ground, spiritually speaking, in a fetal position, and you're questioning God, why? I don't understand, Lord. How big is your faith? You see, the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing. Faith grows by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how you grow your faith. But if you're anything like me, there are times that I'd rather put on the tube than grow my faith. Just being vulnerable and insecure right now, just confessing that to you. Isn't that true? Well, what do I got to do? Oh, I could read my Bible. I could swipe. We can spend 30 minutes doing this, can't we? And not even know. Come on, somebody, just me? No, we do that. Matter of fact, let me let you on a side note. It has nothing to do with our, our uh, Bible study, but if you ever get on the treadmill and you put it up on an incline at 10 and then you put your phone there, you could swipe out and you could walk for 15 minutes not even know you walked. You're just, that's how, that's how it is. You just, and I, I don't know personally, so don't, don't even, I don't know how, I'm just, somebody said. So pastor, what should we do? You ready? Guys, grow your faith so that you have a big shield. Walk hand in hand with a brother who has a shield, a sister. Walk, guys. Link your, your, your shields up so that, so that the fiery darts don't get you. That's what he's telling us. Look at verse 17. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So last but not least, what does he say? Put on the helmet of salvation. Think about the Roman soldier. They would put on a complete helmet that covered the face. Why? Because it protects the mind. It protects the mind. In the context of the letter, it is to assure our hearts 
of our union with Christ. Pastor, what do you mean? So many of us who are saved often question our salvation based on our behavior. You go, wait, 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 what did you say? Oftentimes we'll say, hey man, are you really saved? I don't know, I thought I was saved, but I I thought a bad thought today. The helmet protects that. You see, the helmet of salvation goes, man, I am saved. Yeah, but you're a mess up. That's exactly it. I am a mess up, but that's why Jesus had to die. If I wasn't a mess up, if I wasn't a, 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 a total loser, if I wasn't any of these things, then why did Jesus have to die? No, 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 no. I understand. I agree with you, Satan. That's exactly who I am, and that's why my faith and trust is in Jesus, and that's where peace comes from. Bring it. That's the helmet. You already have peace. You go, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. When I first got saved at 17, and I came forward, and I prayed a prayer, I would get saved every week. I didn't have the helmet of salvation. I would get saved. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. You'd go through the week and you'd mess up or you'd lust or you'd do, I'm, I'm just a kid. And so I'd all of a sudden, oh, oh, uh, somebody would imitate, okay, and I'd come forward, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. And, and, and so week after week, I'd get saved. No, what you do is you put on the helmet of salvation, you go, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm not perfect, I need to learn to repent, but I'm saved. And so, when pastor talks about, hey, Jesus is coming back to get us, you guys go, amen, I'm ready to go. Why wouldn't he take you? Why wouldn't he? Some of us go, well, he's not going to take me. Well, I hope. And you start crossing your fingers, you start crossing your toes, you start confessing sins you didn't even do. You ever do that? I did that on airplanes all the time. Lord, forgive me for stuff I didn't even do. Please don't let this plane go down and crash and die. The Lord said, hey, look at the guy next to you. He's not a believer and he's sitting there with peace. You should have that peace. Oh, I didn't have my helmet on. wasn't protecting my mind. Because the devil wants to come in and deceive you, what's he going to deceive you with? Your mind. He's going to get you to think things that are not true. Have you given your life to Jesus? You go, amen. Then you're saved. You put your faith and trust in him. Amen. Now we live for him. Yeah, but I've blown it at times. Join the club. We've blown it. We've messed up. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We will have blown it and messed up. But we learn to forgive each other. We learn to live and say, oh, yeah, he's just human. (laughs) Of course he is. I remember doing that. I remember. So you forgive me? Oh, yeah. 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 The helmet of salvation brings peace. And it brings peace of mind knowing that you're saved and that one day you'll go home to be with the Lord. You should never worry about your salvation. You should never worry about your salvation. Why? Because we've learned that we're already seated with him, we're already secure with him. If you're here today and you're worried about your salvation, go back and read chapters 1, 2, and 3. That's what Paul says. So what should we do, Pastor? Should we put on the helmet of salvation every day? Now, here's the thing. Don't ever take it off. 
the text reads, Paul says, once you put it on, leave it on. And I had this weird picture. You know how heavy a helmet is, right? Can you imagine going to bed and your head is just big and you're like, that's how it should be. We should always carry all of it on. All of it on. I don't want to take off my helmet of salvation and have weird dreams. Lord, I want the helmet of salvation. I want peace. I want only good dreams. I want dreams of, of worshiping you. I want dreams of, of living in a world that's just amazing. That's what I want. But I need something else. Paul says, you need the sword of the Spirit. What is that? He says, that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. You realize that this sword of the Spirit is our only weapon for defense. We have the power to strike back against the attack. You see, I've got my shield, but I need something. What is it? It's the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. You go, what does it do? This weapon helps you and I proclaim the gospel message, act on God's behalf, and combat the attacks of the devil. You guys with me? That's why I get upset when somebody uses the word of God as a weapon to beat their wives. Well, the Bible says you need to. That's not God's word. God's word is to proclaim the good news. I can't proclaim the good news if I'm beating you over the head with this. I can't proclaim, here you go, gets good news. No, it's not. You're hurt. You're bleeding. You're broken. Don't use God's word as a weapon. It's used to act on God's behalf. Here's what God's word says. You see, when they argue with you, they're not arguing with you if you take them to the Word of God. Why? Because it's God. Listen, you're arguing with God. Your fight is with God if you don't believe this. Well, I don't... No, 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 no. And when the enemy comes, you have the seal, but you also have... You got it. God. Paul gave it. Guys, spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now, we're going, to have, we're going to look at next week, we're going to look at even more prayer. And we're going to talk about prayer. But you and I, as believers, we've got to fight our spiritual enemies with spiritual weapons. And the Word of God is the only sword we'll ever need. The Word of God. Now, as we close, let me recap very quickly the armor of God. And then we'll partake in communion. Here's what we learned today. We learned that the armor of God has three outer coverings to begin with. You've got the girdle or the belt. You've got the breastplate and you've got shoes. These are all outer. Make sure you put them on. This morning I got up and said, I need to put on the whole armor of God. And the Lord reminded me, no, they, you should sleep with those. Okay. Okay. Yes. They're protecting me. Okay. And then we move to two defenses. What are our defenses? I got the helmet. I don't want anybody hitting me in my head. I need to protect my mind. And I've got the shield. And I got the shield. But I also have two offensive weapons. You go, what is it? It's the sword of the Spirit. And next week we're going to see the spear, which is prayer.
prepare offensive offensive like i told you next week we're going to talk all about prayer but for now the point is you ready we need to pour put on put on the whole armor of god and keep it on here's why i said last week guess this hold on don't tune out i said last week a lot of people only put bits and pieces he wants you to put on the whole armor Everything goes hand in hand. It's like, it's like we have to accessorize. You ever accessorize? You got to look good, right? I mean, you can't just put on... Anyway, we got to accessorize. Because the whole armor of God goes on all together. It feels real good. All of it. All of it. What for? So that we're able to stand in these evil days. So we're able to stand... So that when the world comes knocking at your door, you go, no, 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 no. I stand for Christ. No, 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 I stand. And you, well, yeah, but, but, and then when you see things on TV that just, oh, you get that righteous anger, you say, God, I got to stand in this. I got to stand in this. I need this. I don't want to be deceived. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we get our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you, Lord. As we turn down the lights and the elements are being passed out, just hold on to them, guys. Just hold on to them. We're going to partake as a family. Calvary Chapel, guys. Communion is open to anyone who believes. But can I say this? Listen to me. If you're not a believer here today, don't partake in it. Oh, pastor, I'm not. Wait, wait a minute. Are you sure? No, 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 wait. If you're a believer here today, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. If you're not a believer, you say yes. As we begin to take communion, guys, there's three things. Number one, he tells us not to take in an unworthy manner. Which means if we have bitterness or we have anger or we've allowed the enemy to come in, confess that right now. Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Number two, if you're not a believer, can I offer you an invitation right now? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're not right with him, but you want to be, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to simply lift your hand. And you're going to say, Pastor, I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. I want to be in the family of God. The second thing is we want to look back. We want to take a moment while you hold the elements in your hand, and you want to look back. You want to look back at all the things he's done.
and you want to give them thanks. And then when we have the elements in our hand, we're going to look forward. Because Jesus said, I'm not going to do this until I do it with you in the kingdom. We're not in the kingdom yet. That's why we're doing it today. But one day we're going to be with him. So let me ask you, with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm right with God. But I want to be. Would you just lift up your hand if, if God is speaking to your heart? Would you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't want to take communion unless I really, really know. And all you have to do is say yes. Just lift up your hand. Father, as we hold the elements in our hand, please forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness, ungodliness. We come before you, Lord. We confess that to you. We've sinned against you, Lord. We've sinned against you as a nation. We've sinned against you as a country. We've sinned against you as a state. We've sinned against you even as our city. And we've sinned even in our own thoughts and actions. God, please forgive us. We repent of those sins, God, and we want to follow you. Lord, we want to look back just a moment and think of all the things that you've done. We're so grateful for you, Lord. We're so thankful. We want to thank you, first and foremost, for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. We want to thank you for that, Lord. And Father, last but not least, Lord, we want to, we want to, we're ready to do this with you in heaven. So God, we thank you. We thank you that we can do this, and one day we're going to do it in heaven. But for today, Lord, we do it here. So with everyone who have the elements, would you lift up the bread? Father, we thank you for your body. We thank you for dying on the cross. We take it very seriously, Lord. This is your body, Lord. It symbolized the death, burial, and resurrection. And so we take it together as a family in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread. Lord, when you died on the cross, you shed blood. And your blood isn't for an everlasting covenant. It's the new covenant, God, where we can put our faith and trust in you. So we lift up the juice as a symbol of this covenant. And we accept it. We rejoice in it. We celebrate it. We love you, Lord. Next time in heaven, we pray. In Jesus' name, let's take the We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.